Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm one of the half here, Seth Macy, one half of your co-host team. I'm the other half, Aaron Manis. And uh, I think we have a pretty interesting episode today, man. Uh, sometimes we sometimes we sit here and ponder like, hmm, what do you want to talk about? Sometimes, you know, you or I come to the table with something that's... Uh, Come to our, come into our, uh, our cranium. Would that be the right uh, physiological? Into Got into our brains. Got into the brain, and then you know we sit down here for a Friday episode, and we want to hash it out and see where it leads. So I think I brought one of those to you today. Uh, but first, before we divulge what that is, if uh, you're liking these episodes, feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We say it every time. It uh, helps rank the show, helps the show rank better, and it gives us a little bit of confidence to keep doing what we're doing. Not that we need it, we'll always continue to do these for you on Fridays for free. But that also being said, if you are feeling extra generous and you want to donate to help support the show, some of the costs, you can always donate to our PayPal. There's a link to that in the episode description as well. And if this is your first time listening, this is a podcast with two photographers. Aaron and I are both photographers, I guess, exploring video more and more every day as well, uh, where we tie in, you know, building a resilient mind, having the proper attitude from the books we read, the podcasts we listen to, the guests we interview, and we tie that into being the best creators we can be tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Aaron's nodding his head, of course, because he was taken off intro duty even though he did a great job in the last episode, but that's okay. <laughs> Today, I want to do an episode about the differences between difficult situations and cold, flat-out failure and how we often fail to clearly make distinctions between the two and how that can be hurting our growth. You know, I wanted to explore that topic. I know you'll have a lot to say about it. I think clearly defining, in our opinion, the, different, the difference between you know, a difficult moment versus a failed moment. Uh, maybe talk about the importance of recognizing difficulty, what that can do for us, understanding failure at the same time, how we can change our perspectives, learn from some setbacks, cultivate a growth mindset. We always talk about that. And, uh, you know, maybe reference some of our own personal stories, if so be, and maybe some of our guests. But uh, that's what I think for today. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting and a, a good topic to get into and something that we probably all have experienced at some time or another. So let's let's get into it. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Tamron Americas, one of the leading manufacturers of high-performing lenses specially designed to cater to every photographer's unique needs. They have an impressive range of lenses available for Sony, Nikon, and Fujifilm mirrorless cameras, as well as Canon and Nikon DSLR mounts. Their commitment to delivering exceptional quality, performance, and value is truly commendable. Some of you may be wondering what Tamron lenses I have in my bag. I have the 24 to 70 millimeter high speed standard zoom lens, a personal favorite, the 100 to 400 millimeter ultra telephoto zoom, a 150 to 600 millimeter ultra telephoto zoom, a 18 to 400 millimeter all in one zoom, and a 28 to 75 millimeter standard zoom lens. Whether you're a seasoned professional or a passionate hobbyist, Tamron camera lenses are designed to exceed your expectations, and you can trust them to deliver cutting edge technology and superior craftsmanship. To explore their impressive lineup of lenses and discover the perfect match for your camera, head over to their website, which you can find in the episode description. Alternatively, you can visit your nearest photo retailer for a hands on experience with Tamron lenses. The the very first place maybe to get, to begin would be to, in our you know own words, 
to clearly define what a difficult, you know, difficulty is versus what a, what a, a flat out failure is. And, you know, to me, a difficult difficulty refers to, you know, a challenging or demanding situation or task that requires a lot of effort, skill development. Maybe you don't have that skill right away or even an attitude or perspective change to overcome. And I think it implies you're in a moment where you have obstacles that uh, require complex solutions that you don't currently have at that moment. Whereas a failure, you know, on the other hand, is a complete lack of success or the inability to achieve a desired outcome despite maximal effort. And I also think it indicates that you fell short a lot of the time due to a lack of persistence and due to sometimes a lack of preparation. Not always. I know we talk about sometimes setting goals and things where there's a high chance of failure because you know that that makes things more fun and it means it means that uh, the things, the aspirations you're striving for are big time, which I think is important. We don't want to jump over you know six inch bars, but uh, that's how I would kind of, before we get into this conversation, flat out distinguish the two. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I I think, you know, struggling and and pushing through it and then finding success is like temporary failure. I think like exactly like you said, if you keep running into the same wall uh, or, or can't get past a certain point, despite how hard maybe you're working or maybe there's some limitations that you can't kind of navigate through for whatever reason, uh, that peace can be deemed a failure. It doesn't mean the whole project or um, holistic view of the, whether it's a a sport or an activity or an art uh, has to be given up. There can be a pivot at that point or creating a business. I think about like creating a business, like there's probably thousands of data points of like, that didn't work out. We didn't make our goal. We didn't do our, uh, our expenses the way we wanted to. We have to adjust this. We have to adjust spending. And then eventually you kind of bounce into that sort of uh, success in certain ways if you can pivot correctly. Um, I think with that mindset part is where you look at some of those early on failures or certain sectors of what you're doing failures and and say nah uh, it's not for me it's done like i'm pulling the plug on this project on this passion it's not for me i'm not as good as everyone else or i'm not as good as i want to be and that's it then it's for lack of a better word a failure or just didn't didn't work out Right. Yeah. And I think I really wanted to have this episode because I think so many people pull up short when they prematurely declare that this difficult situation they're in is a failure, you know, to build off what you're saying. And so people inadvertently declare failure before they even come close to that point. And I think this speaks to the fact that, you know, this, this, this speaks to comfort creep a bit. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. And I think this is why, you know, myself and you, we constantly advocate for doing difficult things because you train yourself. You know, we talk about growth mindset too. You train yourself to get to a place where difficult is normal, right? Difficult is the normal 
is 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 what is expected as a out of life i think just from an evolutionary stance i mean if we want to take it even further uh you know defining the difference between difficulty and failure just in nature i mean there's difficulty in every <laughs> everywhere you look in the animal kingdom every single species you stare at thrives and evolves and adapts and uh essentially creates stronger genealogy by persevering through struggle, you know? And with people, I think, you know, growth and progress, you know, we've said a million times it happens when individuals step outside of their comfort zone, when they take on new responsibilities, when they decide to do a task that they have no familiarity with. And if you're used to doing difficult things and you're able to develop the mindset that recognizes that that moment as an opportunity for learning and personal development, I think you forego the circumstance where you prematurely declare failure. On the contrary, failure in nature would be what occur, you know, when individuals are unable to meet a clear objective or accomplish a specific set out goal, no matter how hard they try. Often that, like I said, I think comes with not being prepared, but I think failure is also often associated with setbacks and disappointment can over, you know, overcome people and the feeling of disappointment in that lack of desired outcome. If you don't have that growth and opportunistic mindset that I described before, I think that's when you decide something is a failure and it can be discouraging, but I mean, if you can also decide that failure has lessons and insight, maybe into that weaker mind, I think there's also positives to that too. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And I've, I've said when I, when I see a kid like skateboarding, like doing tricks, uh, out in the wild, um, at a skate park or on the sidewalk, um, but mastering a kickflip or mastering, uh, tell me, I don't know, whatever, whatever else there is on the skateboard. I'm not, I'm not really a skateboarder. <laughs> the shove it. Yeah. The shove it, uh, the pop and lock, or is that a dance? It's a dance routine. I think that's pop lock and drop it. That's like really dating <laughs> yourself, man. That's right. I have mastered that. No failing that. Uh, no, but when I see that, there's a little like smile that happens where I go like, that kid's going to make it, hopefully. You know, like that kid's going to make it because there's the blueprint there. Uh, skateboard tricks are so hard. Uh, and it comes with, before you succeed at one, there's 100, 200, 1,000 screw-ups, potential injuries, potential whatever that mm-hmm. you have to push through to get to that trick. And it's like, there's just no way around it. You might get lucky every once in a while. You might figure it out quicker on some tricks than the others, but there comes a perseverance. And that's a key word probably in the, in the episode where you are fighting through it. And I think of my own childhood and like some of the, the hobbies that I've picked up. And I talk about that blueprint of like golf is hard as hell, mm-hmm. uh, but I was dedicated to really working at it to a certain point and getting to a point where I felt like, wow, I'm, I'm a, I got to a very decent point as a golfer, uh, where I can instruct, get paid for it. Um, 
shoot low rounds uh, every now and again. And now I'm very consistent based on that. Tons and tons and tons of hard work. And I remember taking my buddy to the driving range and the first time he was like, I'm never doing this again. Like that sucked. Because he did not find success and he was like, that sucked and he was done. Right? So like that's the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like you, you find maybe a sliver of success and you you want you want something so you keep going at it and you fight through that suck because everything worth doing or everything worth being like good at an instrument photography art painting sculpting skateboarding baseball like whatever it is that first shot at it it's not going to be good you're not going to be no. great right to start and I was looking before we started, we were looking at a few studies. There's one that just says or or explains a group of kids being told, wow, you're naturally very smart versus, wow, you're such a hard worker. The kids that were told they're naturally smart didn't try the harder puzzles. They they quit when it was easier versus the kids that said they were hardworking or told they were very hardworking kept working on the harder level puzzles more often than the kids that were told they were just talented. And I think that's interesting and telling in terms of where, where the perceived talent or skill eventually comes from is that hard work and that perseverance through those disappointments, which everything again has. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you happen to listen to the uh, the Tony Hawk interview with Andrew Huberman on Huberman Lab podcast? No, I did not. Because you're talking about skateboarding, it fits in so perfectly. You didn't there listen you go. to it? No, I didn't. I suggest everyone go and uh, listen to that. But he made the point of there's some tricks in his career he's only landed one time. And how he got to land, he speaks of how he got to landing that trick. I'm, I'm kind of butchering it, but I'll paraphrase, was that he learned so many different tools or tricks below that trick and the fundamentals that after a while he would be able to figure out, okay, how can I put these together to create something new? And that would be the new trick that he would come up with, not land a million times and then get it once on a good day because of the small increments of fundamentals and tricks that he had learned throughout his career. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And I think that's, kind of exactly what we're talking about. And it's like that, that perseverance beyond, um, which begs the question of like, what, what is talent or here's another example. My son, my son, I wouldn't say at this point, I hope he never listens to this. Like in the beginning, I wouldn't say he's the most athletic kid. Like he has this natural, as soon as he started, he has this natural sort of ability to be amazing at soccer. All right. But, he was interested in soccer. He played every single day in first grade at recess with his friends mm-hmm. and, and older kids. He got interested in the players. He got FIFA for his Nintendo Switch that he plays occasionally. He's learning the, the art of the game. He's learning the little moves. He's practicing them in the living room. He's practicing them on rec team. He makes travel team as a, a seven-year-old on the U9 team. Now, he still like that, that interest made him get to a point where like, wow, you're, you're good at soccer, but it wasn't a natural, you're just good at it. 
it was a lot of work. And now as you get older and you get more advanced, it takes more work and more work and more work. And I think that's where there's that curve of where people either keep going to excellence or fall off at good enough or don't even get to that point and are like, this is hard and I'm, I'm, right. I'm just going to quit. So there's that, again, there's that great podcast with um, David Goggins that talks about like, you know, it, it's easy to go as far as like easy talent will take you. And it's hard to go beyond that talent to working much harder. And I think we've all found that like it's fun in some activity until it's really hard. Rock climbing, for example, I, I'm going to get back into it into the winter, mm-hmm, but it, I definitely plateaued. Like I saw a lot of early progress and it was hard and it was working, but I was progressing and then it plateaued and it gets to a point where it's like, okay, for you to get better at this, you have to really devote time, period. Like time and energy and direct skill building to get to that next point. And a lot of people, including myself at times, depending on the on the subject that I'm pursuing, uh, makes you go like, I don't want to do it. Like I just don't I don't want to do it right now. And I wouldn't deem that a failure, but maybe a lack of uh, pushing through and getting to that point. Mm-hmm. So I think that another important distinguishing factor here in everyone's mind for their mindset is do I want to be an elite climber? Then it takes X, Y, and Z. Do I not care? Then I can, I can just do this casually and have fun with it. And I think the problem becomes when like, I want to be better at something, but I just also want to do this casually. Mm -hmm. And that's a golfer's curse. If you have ever golfed with anyone that's like, like oh, I'm happy shooting 90s today because I, I mean, I really don't practice much. You know, yeah. I, I, I never go to the range. Uh, I play every two weeks with friends and um, I'm happy shooting 100. No, everyone golfs in, insane for mindset. It's very interesting. There's no alignment, uh, right? I want to hit no. 80s, but I haven't played in four years. Yeah, you're, you're pissed off at yourself that you're not, you're not, you're comparing yourself to like a par or Tiger Woods and in your like, oh, I should be able to, the ball's still, I should be able to do this or whatever it is, but you're not putting in the work. So right. it's like this weird thing with golfers, like that they get mad at themselves or slamming clubs or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, dude, man, you, I, I feel you like you practice so much, right? Like how many times are you at the range this week? like two double sessions, uh, like every day. And they're like, no, 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 I, I don't go to the range. Oh, so yeah. you, you're playing around every every day and working on your game? No, 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 this is the first time I played in three weeks. Oh, all right. And you're you're mad about your score? Like that, the, to be that expected. Alignment, yeah, that alignment is whacked. Yeah, <laughs> it's to be expected. No, I, and I love that, uh, you know, that, that thing about Goggins. I mean, a great example is you ever walked in a train station or in an airport when you got to go up, up or up or down stairs? Mm-hmm. Statistically, if I asked you percentage wise, how many people are on the escalator? I'm asking you. There are a hundred people going through that corridor where there's stairs and there's an escalator. What percentage of people are on the escalator? Is it very crowded or is it nothing? 
th- that's beside the point. Okay. My point 80, is you have the option to go up the motorized escalator or you have the option to walk. 85. I would even go higher. I would, I would even say 95. And my point is, I think we're so, we've been so programmed to seek out comfort because we still have that evolutionary desire from, you know, a hundred thousand years ago where reprieve from a storm in a, you know, out of the cold wind for 10 minutes seeking comfort, you know, aided in survival, right? It aided in morale of a tribe. And we've gotten to a point where, you know, the house is set to 72 Fahrenheit, you know, Uber Eats, hot shower. We don't know how to fucking do anything hard anymore. Yeah. You know, like we, we don't know how to put ourselves into, we don't know how to be in hard situations because they just don't exist on their own anymore. Like you have to physically go and find something that's shitty to put yourself in. And the reason like I try to do that personally and I recommend that for people is because when there's something you do care about that is difficult, in this example, photography, you know how to struggle. You're like, ah, I, I, know, I know why this is good for me. You know, I know why I'm here. And to the example, you know, and I use the example of the escalator and the stairs because I always take the stairs when I see the 95% of people on the escalator because it's a clear representation of if I do, if I take the stairs in other areas of my life, I'll, I'll get ahead. You know, I'll build that skill. I'll build those little leg muscles in the 10 seconds I'm walking up. You know, 99% of the time you, if you pick a person and you take the stairs, you're at the top before them. You know, I'm not making life a competition, but it's an interesting and clear, simple representation about how the current human mind is plagued with constant comfort seeking and it's not good for us. We'd like to take a brief break and mention one of the sponsors of today's episode, iStorage iStorage is a company specializing in ultra-secure encrypted data storage solutions for businesses and individuals that prioritize data protection. If you're concerned about the security of your sensitive data and files, iStorage has you covered. The new DataShare Pro Plus C is the world's first and only encrypted flash drive pending the new FIPS 140-3 Level 3 scheme. It has a USB Type-C connector and a USB Type-C to A adapter and offers faster read and write speed than their other flash drives with an impressive storage capacity of up to 512 gigabytes. We need that storage as photographers and videographers. Now you may be thinking, why is securing your data so crucial? Isn't an encrypted hard drive a little overkill? Well, unfortunate events of ransomware attacks and security breaches happen to thousands of people every single day. Do you really want to risk having all your important data and files held for ransom? With the new DataShare Pro Plus C, you can protect your valuable information and files from cyber attacks, ensure compliance with regulations, and keep a secure offline backup. Plus, in the unfortunate event of a ransomware attack, you'll have the ability to recover your data seamlessly. Another one of their products, the DataShare BT, offers all the same encryption levels and security you'd expect from iStorage, but without an onboard keypad. You can wirelessly unlock it by entering a 7 to 15 character password on your smartphone or by utilizing unlock options like Face ID. It's a perfect blend of convenience and security. So don't compromise when it comes to protecting your data and files. Remember, you think it will never happen to you until it does. 
Choose the DataShare Pro Plus C or the DataShare BT for unparalleled data security. You can visit iStorage's website and see these exact products we've talked about by clicking the link in the episode description. Use code ISPM15 for an additional 15% off your purchase. With that said, again, not everything's a competition, but from the state of things, it's pretty easy to be a savage in things. Like it is. At, at this point, uh, I don't. I don't want to sound like let's be savage. Let's destroy. Let's savage it up and say savage a lot. Uh, but just compared to everyone else, if you can find that working gear, that fifth gear, that sixth gear that people don't, some don't ever touch, you can accomplish amazing things. Like if you put in the time for practice and skill and development in whatever it is, music, sport, anything, if you really go above and beyond what everyone else is doing and most aren't doing a lot, they're too distracted, too distracted with lots of other things and lots of other comforts and lots of other, uh, you know, cell phone, social media, like whatever it is. If you put your head down, your nose to the grindstone, and focus on something, you can really improve at it. You really can, and you can really jump, like leapfrog your peers in terms of what you want to accomplish. Or just what your past self would have accomplished. What your past, like, yeah, what your, yeah. your wildest dreams were. And again, not comparatively, I, you know, I talked about last week, like looking within yourself or, you know, how do you improve yourself versus comparing to your neighbors. Um, and I, I believe in that in, in terms of overall content and happiness uh, and just looking at, you know, just, yeah, again, it comes down to the if, like if you want something, that's what it takes. There's no shortcut. And that's where people get hung up, I think. And, and I think that's where we're getting into. I think there's this myth. We we talk about the lotto effect all the time. We talk about this like, oh, look at Seth's photos. He's so talented. You know, and it's like, and replace Seth with anything and replace photos with anything. Mm-hmm. It looks the end product of anyone. Oh, look at Rory McIlroy in his swing! Like what a talented specimen of a of a body in 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 a golf swing. He hits it so far. He's so God's gift to earth. You know, like we we just assume that there was like this. You were born with this absolute talent versus a hunk of coal that could be pressurized into a diamond you know like the pressure the the pushing the sweat the heat can create this diamond and Mm -hmm. it took a lot of force to get to this diamond before it just was a diamond in the that's on the counter you know and i I think that's something so i asked you like do you what's what are your thoughts on talent versus hard work is talent a is talent a scapegoat? Is talent a dangerous word for what if we said instead of, wow, that guy's such a talented, um, talented photographer, we said, wow, that guy must have worked really hard at photography. That's what I do say, you yeah. know, because that that's that's factual. Yeah. Actually, I mean, and I think to, you know, whether people realize it or not, you know, the the millions of people that let's say watch Rory McIlroy and 
are just in absolute awe at the specimen of a golfer he is, right? I think deep down, I think the appeal and the awe and the wonder is in almost vicariously living through that person in a sense of they really devoted everything they had to being this good and that's infectious and that's energizing and I will pay money to watch that. Beyond just, oh, they're really good. Yeah, and there's there's people in this day and age and in the past that basically, again, sacrificed everything to be that kind of robot. You know, there's musicians that spent eight hours a day playing concertos on their piano and and barely had time to eat every single day. And again, I'm not that neither here nor there, if that's good or bad for you or, you know, however you want to view it, but that, that is potentially the, uh, the level of work you can put into something. Right. And think about what you pay. Think about what you pay you pay for it, your own money. You pay to, in terms of like arts and entertainment and outings and non-tangible goods, you're paying to experience the product of something or someone that has, you know, gotten to that level of, that high caliber level of display, whether it's a singer or whether it's a ballet, you're paying to watch hard work in motion, mm-hmm. right? It, you're paying because you're so amazed by the end product, even a diamond, you know, a jeweler who's beautifully crafted something. That's not easy. Like there's value in, in the final product of a sum of difficult things. I guess that's what I'm saying. And like to your point where you're saying it's, it's really not hard to grind at something. I think it is hard because you'll quit when it gets difficult because back to my point about comfort, there's no, there's no base there to know what to do in that moment. You know, like you use to continue using the Goggins example, that guy got to a point where the difficulty is he enjoys that. Like that's the enjoyment. Like literally feels good struggling. And if you've read his book, have you read the book? Can't hurt me. Yeah. The part where, um, so usually right. The, the, uh, the seal cadres that are training the, mm-hmm. the recruits. Mm-hmm. Right? If you, if your boat crew, messes up or whatever you're doing push-ups or you're you're running logs up the berm right mm-hmm. you know what goggins punishment was do you remember remind me go sit over there and watch right because right, you right. like this too much you yeah. like this misery stuff and too much i'm not saying everyone needs to become like goggins but there's a, the point is that if you can get to a point where hard and difficult and I don't like this. I'm not good at this. It's okay with you. And you can recognize the opportunity in it. Then when you go to grind at something that you're passionate about, there's literally no stopping you. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a nice way to say it. Like you don't have to enjoy the suffering, but if you can change the suffering to, this isn't suffering. There's this purpose is, in it. This is just the way it, Everything goes. It's the way everything. This is the law of the universe. Yeah, think that's, what a why, flog, the, that's why the lotto is like ridiculous. So, 
in, enticing because it's like here's all what would be hard work in like a lump sum for doing nothing except guessing numbers like yeah let me let me get to the end point without doing any of the stuff you know like that's why the again looking for the ultimate comfort but i think mm-hmm. like again I've, i'm repeating myself a bit but in in terms of and I can only speak for myself and my friends and maybe people I've witnessed do things, but from from learning skills, you I think learning an instrument or like skateboarding or like something as a kid is really, really like an intricate skill that's very difficult to like bust past that just uh you're an intermediate like to get past intermediate to get to advanced i think is a really important thing for people to do and i'm not saying you can't do it as an adult but when you do it as a child like going through uh piano was my thing that was very difficult and i got to a point where the in eighth grade my teacher was like you really need to practice two hours a day to progress to get better and that's where i kind of said like i i don't i don't really want to do that much work for this but i learned how to get to that point and then how it has to even step up to that point so when i picked up a guitar at 18 or 19 and decided like i want to teach myself this i knew it was going to suck for a good two three years and still is not as um natural as piano feels to me because i did it as a kid but I knew there was just these points like I can't push down an F chord and then all of a sudden you can one day, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like it, you have all these plateaus and you don't say like, oh, I can't push down an F chord. So I never will be able to, you just know, like I have to keep going with it with golf, you know, you shoot hundreds and then you're like, I need to work on things and you're practicing at the range. You're, you're, you're working on the skill you're learning, you're, you're reading, you're watching youtube videos you're doing all these things because you're devoted to i want to really get better and i know that the suffering part the suck is normal it's it's gonna suck i've told you before too like i tried watercolors at one point like trying to paint trying to relax and paint and it's one of the hardest mediums i don't know why i started with that but it's like it can be really messy and it really sucked for a while uh, trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, the, the delicacy of the brush, the waters, the the mixes, the clean water versus the rinse water, like all these things that you have to know, the the paper thickness, the the paint quality. And you get to a point where you're like, wow, like to really improve on this, I have to do this a ton. Do I want to continue doing right. not? So let me interrupt you though. Yeah. The, the this is the this is the defining moment where your painting probably sucks. No offense. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. Your first one, your first oh, watercolor yeah. is probably not good. Let's. I'm assuming you're sitting down for the first time before you defend your paintings. Yeah, no, it was uh, bad. Okay, it was bad. <laughs> the win. This is where people go. I failed. My painting is not good. Right. But the win for the day here is I sat down deliberately for an hour, built myself a calm space and did something that I knew I would be bad at, Mm -hmm. that I knew would be hard, that I knew would hurt my ego. And that was a hard thing to do. Good for me. And, you know, because I think where we're heading in this discussion is how can, like, what are some practical tips and how can we build some strategies to embrace difficulty? 
because it's so easy to say, have a growth mindset, you know, find the opportunity, but how, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to going back to what you were saying is, I don't use this word often, but you have to, you have to, you have to find faith. You know, yeah. you have to have faith and embrace belief that the challenges you're facing are worth something and not necessarily worth you becoming a better rock climber or becoming a better painter, but that experiencing annoyance, difficulty, uncomfortability has net positive rewards for you as you progress through life. Yeah. Number one, number, number two, I think is the role of encouragement within your own self and your self talk. And, and I think you're close circle too. And you're close circle. Um, if, if you have your parents saying like, Hey, you're great at this. Like, keep it, keep going, keep working hard. You're, you're doing, you're improving. Like that is so motivating or a loved one saying like, you know, Oh, you picked up the camera. Like you're, you're getting good. Like that was a great photo you had the other day. That is motivating for sure. You're, we have our own battles with like, oh, this sucks. This sucks. Like, you know, the, the, the negative self-talk that's probably protecting us from failure. Um, we can get into that. Maybe that's even a deeper conversation. Uh, but those, well, that's those perfectionism in, too, right? Yeah, those encouragements yeah. from others uh, help us to keep going um, and, and to push through those hard times because we're getting the whether it's external validation or even internal validation from ourselves to say like, no, I'm getting a little bit better and I really want this. And again, I think that's everything comes down to like this honest conversation with yourself for all things like this honest why of like how I, you know, it's that golf scenario where you don't practice at all. You don't really play that much and you're getting mad at your mediocre score. Like those those two things don't align. And you can take that example and put it to anything, like even cooking. Like if you don't cook and you try to make a meal and it sucks the first time, you can be like, like you can't, you can't be mad about that. Like, oh, I suck at cooking. Well, yeah, you should. You probably should. It'd be mm-hmm. weird if you were amazing at cooking and you never cook. Right. That would just be weird. Uh, Unless you're you who is scared yeah. good at, I know this is already where you're going with it. And I'm going to go there before you. Aaron, split. Aaron is scarily good at, not necessarily, like you're, you're, you're a good cook. You know, you're not. I'm a good what's combiner. The, what's the, what's the certificate you get? The what? What's the certificate you get when you pass culinary school? I don't know. It's like something, is it a culinary? What's it called? Certificate of excellence. It's like a blue ribbon. No, I don't know. Somebody will know. Leave it in the questions and answer section. Um, You're very good at deciding which ingredients would go well together based on what an individual is putting together. I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in Jasper. And Aaron goes, Aaron goes, throw the trail mix on there. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that was great. What do we call it? A Rocky road. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh my god, game changing! And then game changing the salty then, nuts with the yep. the oh and the f- little fruit chunks in there. Yep, it was so um, good. And then um, what was it? You made me listen. slice a banana in half. Yep, put an espresso toffee bar. No, like was it was like an espresso brownie. Yeah, we had an espresso brownie. Put it in there yeah. and uh, sealed it. 
was I just sealed a, it. I, 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 I sealed it. I yeah, think yeah. it was gross. Sealed it with just a, you know, like when you're doing caulking in your house around the bathtub, <laughs> yes. one of those with the peanut butter right oh, across the top of the banana seal in that espresso bar. Yep. Bite into it. Lickety split. Glorious. We called it the lickety split. You heard it here first. Anyways, we digress hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, cooking, you can't be, be scary if you were amazing at it. Just, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, to a to a level of a really great cook. Again, fill in the blank with any example. Right. Uh, it, it's more of the I think the mindset of like, oh, I'm awful at this. When when the work's not there, like if I if I looked in the mirror and said like, you know what, rock climbing's not for me. Maybe it's maybe it's my body type. Maybe I'm too heavy. Like, and I have been doing eight hours a day. In certain ways, stretches, uh, exercises, climbing, uh, lessons, buying equipment, like whatever it is for the last two years. And I could not get past the point. There might be a point where I was like, I, I can look in the mirror and say, I worked really hard at this and it's just, it's not for me. Like it's not, it's not, I'm not getting where I wanted to get and that's okay. Uh, I think that's. That's right. kind of the thing, but you have to have that honest conversation of if, if Seth, I said to you like, dude, I suck at rock climbing. I, I'm never going to get better. And you're I like, just, it's not worth quitting though. If you're still enjoying it and not going anywhere and it's still pushing you. Of course. Right. Of course. And, and, say that. and in certain things you have, I said in the beginning, you see a lot of growth with lots of things. And as you get way, way better, you plateau and it's hard to take huge leaps because the top is there's a there's a limit on it there's a ceiling in terms of how good you can get at any the top is like a world champion yeah so like i mean it is what it is but just like i guess the point being like just making sure that you know if i sat here and and was complaining to seth about yeah i suck at rock climbing i'm not good and his first question should be like how often are you doing it and if I was like, uh, I haven't been in like three weeks. I would actually ask, why do you think that? That would be my first question. Yeah, sure. Some, if a stranger said that to me, I'd be like, oh, like, why do you say that? And then you go, well, well, well I haven't gotten past the V4 and the whole time I've been doing it. And I'll be um, like, well, you started at zero, then you went to one, then you went to two, then you yeah, went no. to three, and then you went to four. And that's where, you know, to that point of seek support, seek support from your Mm-hmm. Your crew, whether that's family or not, people that will blow smoke up your ass, people who will tell you how it is. Yeah, and then I would hear. I would hope you would dig into like, well, do you want to get better? How often are you practicing? Are you practicing? Are you are you trying to improve? What's your goal? Like, what are you like? Kind of listing it out, you know. And and those are all the little steps to kind of bring it back. But um, yeah, I think basically we all have these moments of. Seth and I have tried to do in the last year, I'd say a lot more video and like figuring it out and figuring out what the setting should be and the color grades and this, that, and the other. Um, just the other day, I was like, I have this tool that's really actually helpful. Check it out. Um, yeah. As we're constantly learning uh, and improving stuff, our first attempts at video, like my shutter speed's all wrong. The, I don't understand frame rate. I don't understand. I'm just pressing record and like figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And if I looked at that and was like, man, this video sucks. Like I'm, uh, it's not for me. Then yeah. that's where it ends. 
Yeah. And you keep going through and it's always a challenge and a puzzle and putting things together. And I mean, there's so many aspects of video, but like you, it takes a lot to learn the tricks of the trade, no matter what the subject is or skill you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think another, you know, we were, we we're kind of barking down the tree of, okay, what are some practical tips and strategies for embracing difficulty and finding the opportunity? And I think, you know, when I was talking to you about first you did a V1 grade, a rock climbing wall, and then you did a V2, and then you did a V3. For people who don't know, as the numbers go higher, the grading, the grading goes higher, the, the climbs get more difficult. Um, you know, it just highlights also the importance of recognizing your progress. That's why we, you know, that's why we journal. At the end of the day, we write down the wins. And also uh, breaking breaking things down into small chunks, you know, into bite-sized pieces. I think I've used this example before, but like on my runs, if it's a 10 kilometer hard run, like I'm going for a personal best time, mm-hmm. I <laughs> I do two things when I'm in my pain cave. I, pain cave. I, pain count, cave. To, I count to 100 over and over again. Hmm. That's one thing. And the second, often done simultaneously, is I pretend that the next telephone pole is the finish line. That's a good one. And that has taught me so much in other areas of life, man. Run to the next telephone pole. Good job. Next one. Next one. Next one. Next one. And it's like little wins. Yeah. Want to know my trick when I was running? It's kind of sick. Yeah. Let's hear it. But in terms of the pain cave and like pushing through, uh, you can imagine whatever thing, but essentially I would be like, my son's hurt and he's at home and I'm on a run and I need to get home to help <laughs> That's him. dark, but damn. I know. It'll get you on your horse. Yeah. Or like someone's chasing you and like you can't stop. <laughs> I have that one. Uh, <laughs> or they catch up. Um, Just yeah. nightmare fuel. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, and the pain cave doesn't have to be your legs burning or your lungs screaming at you. The pain cave can be super frustrated trying to figure out what frame rate to use. You can be super frustrated trying to figure out where to, how to compose a shot. I mean, if you learn how to deal with being in those pain caves and in those difficult moments by routinely exposing yourself to difficult things on purpose, because we live in a world of comfort, I feel like things will become easier for you and opportunities will present themselves more often and you'll get further down the road with things that you're passionate about and you'll not preemptively call, I failed. Yeah, and I think this, what you just said and this episode can be applied to lots of different mindset things out there. So I want to just make a couple of parallels. Like if you are anxious about a, if you have anxiety that's building up about a, a a gig or a photo shoot and your gut reaction is to flee, like fighting through that somehow and getting through that anxiety wall, that stress wall and completing the photo shoot and then having success from it will teach you, oh, I felt this. I I didn't perish. I didn't die. I survived. And then I succeeded. So next time I feel this, 
it won't feel as bad. I've been here before. But if you have anxiety Mm. about something and you decide to bail because then it's more comfortable, you don't have to deal with it, you don't have to face it, the next time you are faced with something or you have an opportunity, that anxiety is not going to be any less. If anything, it's going to be more because you know you didn't succeed last time in in beating it. Mm -hmm. It beat you. So now you know, oh, last time that that thing, that beast beat me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be harder to punch through that and get to that success point. So like this whole episode, when you're going through hard times and it becomes more of like, oh, this is pretty normal. This is just part of the, this is part of the routine. This is one of the steps. I have a photo shoot. I know I'm going to get nervous. I'm not going to sleep well, uh, but I'm going to go through it and I'm going to do well. And that's going to create other gigs and other opportunities. And I'm going to, I'm going to succeed. Like once you know that that's part of the dance routine, it becomes that much easier to bust through all these hard things and, and complete all these hard tasks and, and have success in lots of different avenues of your life. Absolutely. I'm a kind of, I'm sort of in one of those moments right now. Um, not with like crippling anxiety, but uh, I haven't actually really talked much about this on the show, but when this comes out, I'll be in uh, Churchill, Manitoba. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about it because I'm insanely jealous. I know. And I feel bad bringing it up, but I'll be in church in Manitoba <laughs> when you're hearing this, which is really cool. Um, can you explain what you're doing a little bit? Cause you, I don't think you've yeah, talked so about it at all. I'm, I'm part of a three man film crew. Uh, the two of the other people joining me are Thomas Keck, who has been a guest on this show twice and Slater Moore. And we Slater and myself are part of Thomas is, film crew for a documentary he's working on called the flyaway life it follows the atlantic flyaway of migratory birds all the way from the gulf up to the hudson bay in manitoba churchill area and i was asked to um join the crew be in charge of drone videography and um i'll also be shooting some video of tomas in the fields and also some wildlife, some wolves, bears, hopefully, um, uh, birds. And uh, Churchill Wild is involved. There's a lot of bush planes. I'm super nervous. I've never worked on a nature documentary before. Have a massive imposter syndrome, feeling performance anxiety to deliver. And um, so sort of what you described is where I'm at. I mean, I don't have crippling anxiety because of all the things you just said. Like I've... Mm-hmm. I've been in spots before where it felt like the same level of pressure and I got through that. And now, you know, the bar continues to rise in terms of the scope of work. And so just rationally thinking, I have the confidence at this point because of saying yes to those things so many times that I know I'll do a good job if I come in prepared with the right mindset and focus on what I'm there to do despite being nervous right now. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's living and learning. And, uh, I'll put a link to the, if you want to follow along, the film's going to come out in 2025, um, link to the website where you can uh, sign up to get, uh, updates on what's going on. I'll put that in the episode description, but, uh, yeah, I'll be in Churchill. And um, it'll be a good time. I'm there for three weeks. I leave August 
first and I get back September 21st. So I'm gone for three weeks. I'm going to, what am I going to do? I don't know. You're going to miss me? Do I just come on here alone and go like, (laughs) Lucky for you and I, we're prepared and we're going to have, these will all have been recorded in August, people. So everything you're hearing in September will be uh, preemptive. But uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You got to plan for life. Mm-hmm. The streak of continuous podcast episodes doesn't end just because I'm going away. It'd be easy to make an excuse. I'll take a month off, but let's not do that. Let's uh, let's pick the harder route, keep the streak going of podcasts, make sure that these get out on Fridays. And uh, just because other things are going on doesn't mean you can build excuses. Yeah. And with hard work comes reprieve. And what that means is while he's away, I get to uh, take a rest and maybe focus some attention on other things. So um, it all pays pays you back. It all pays you back. Absolutely. One last thing I want to leave people with. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, just as a tip for if you you feel like you need to up the ante on finding a difficult thing to do. Have you ever heard of Misogi? No. Am I? Yes, I have. You've heard of Misogi to what? Yep, it's the uh, every year, right? Yes, sir. Every year. Is it a Japanese? So it's originally a Japanese, it's a, you know, it's a tradition from Japanese culture um, revolving around purification and cleansing. Usually people would go and they would stand under a raging waterfall and it would clean your spirit and your mind Mm -hmm. and give you a sense of clarity. It's, I think uh, it's of Shinto origin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's like a ritual performed under waterfalls you would stand there and it would huge powerful waterfall would would roll roll over you and you would be your spirit and body would be cleansed in today's um you know in in modernized modern times people have translated misogi into doing uh something extremely difficult i think most it's it's still kind of fringe, but I read about mm-hmm. this in the Comfort Crisis, which I recommend everybody read by Michael Easter. I'm on my second read of it right now. Um, the the person he interviews in the book, I forget his name. I think he's a he's a Harvard professor. Um, I'll, people can look it up, but he does one Masogi a year, so he does one difficult thing every year that has a fifty percent chance of failure, no matter how hard you prepare. Mm-hmm. So that could be running a marathon. That could be um, uh, becoming debt-free. That could be landing a five-figure contract. Yeah. One hard thing a year that, that has a 50% success rate and a 50% failure rate. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a really... Uh, I think it's a really interesting task to take on. Imagine you did that once or twice a year for every day for the rest of your life. You did something really hard. How interesting and how fulfilling your life would probably be when you're 80, 90 years old. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's a great way to keep going in terms of progress or I don't know, sometimes, you know, whether whatever you believe in terms of this life and afterlife or not, um, what I do know is we have this one one experience, this one life, um, as far as I know, and to soak as much in as you can seems seems like the way to me. 
it might not to everyone else, but to to try to travel. I missed out on some time of travel and to see the world, to develop new skills and crafts and artistic pursuits and creative pursuits and athletic pursuits and enjoy the the game that is this life, I think, in a sense. Um, connect with people, learn people's stories, ask people questions, you know, just... F- Try different foods, all that stuff. Like just bringing in as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, uh, there's a line in the little the uh, the narrative I'm, I'm creating with my son, but it's coming from his perspective, and it it says like I, I thought the world was as big as the little town I grew up in. You know, like, and I remember right. thinking that as a kid, like, oh, this is just Connecticut. Like, Connecticut's cool. Like, that's all there is. I don't need to go anywhere else, but then now it becomes, it flips upside down where it's like, that's so weird that I'm in this one like pinpoint of the world and I could have been anywhere and can be anywhere or try to be. Um, and there's so much to see. So I don't know. That was beautifully said, man. All right. TPM artwork for the day goes to of moons and creatures never featured this account before. Sarah Ann is her name. Looking at her stuff right now. So cool. Very pretty wildlife. Clicking the follow button. Nice. Very nice. Oh, I like the, the I, already smushed, followed. I like the smushed nose. The intimate moment about to gnaw on some berries, this bear. And of course, we're referring to the hashtag TPM artwork. For those of you who are listening on Spotify, you can see the cover art for this episode is uh, we do features um, from uh, you kind folks who submit using that hashtag on Instagram. We talk about you. We talk about your glorious shot. We find you. We discover your work and we share it for everybody else in the episode description. So today is of moons and creatures and I love this black bear. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Yeah, what a moment. I mean, I can count the number of bears I've seen. Actually, I can't anymore because we saw a lot. We saw a lot in Canada. Uh, but each moment is so like, whoa, just magical. And you've got a bunch of really cool, uh, intimate moments with these woodland creatures. And I love the greens of the summer. Greens are hard to get. Yeah. And you kept, you kept it pretty constant throughout the the season. Lots of greens. Love it. Mm -hmm. I like the nose wrinkle on this bear. So congrats, Sarah, and use that hashtag TPM artwork for your chance to have your photo featured and talked about on an episode. Go do hard things. Stop seeking comfort. Find ways to make life hard and uh, (laughs) in the right way. And um, I think uh, that'll help develop a growth mindset, will help you thrive when when you're struggling, and um, will help us avoid quitting preemptively on things we really we really could be good at or and want to be good at you know and you know even i think i said it if you're not progressing at something but it's still hard and you're still enjoying it good for you you know mm-hmm. if your painting sucked if your <laughs> first time on a skateboard sucked good for you you got up today you did something hard most people aren't willing to do that most people want to take the escalators to take the stairs until next time my man it's been good chatting with you you too